Welcome to today's issues. Join us for the next hour as we offer a Christian response to the issues of the day. Here's your host, Ed Vitagliano. And good morning. Welcome to today's issues. I'm Ed Vitagliano. Sitting in for Tim Wildman today, I am joined in studio by Fred Jackson. Good morning, Fred. Good morning. Good to be here. Beautiful day here in our hometown of Tupelo, Mississippi. Yes, it is. Beautiful weather. No complaints. Although, I, it doesn't take much for me to start complaining. That's why I wanted to open up on a nice sunny note. Yes, nice sunny note. Uh, Chris Woodward also joining us from One News Now. Good, good morning. Good morning. And then uh, I'm guessing from Kansas City, the intermittently brilliant Ray Pritchard. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, Ray. I'm just good. I'm just basically intermittent in general, you know. <laughs> that was the reference. It was kind of a, a funny way of saying that he's brilliant when he's here. And, uh, Which I have been, I've been out more than I've been in, but I tell you, I'm looking outside, Ed, it's uh, sunny and 79 degrees here in, in No Kansas complaints City. about that. No complaints. Not in August. What's, <laughs> no. Yeah, no, not in August. We're doing pretty good here. Well, and uh, just so our, we, we do, by the way, have people who will ask where Ray Pritchard is when you when you aren't on on a regular basis. Usually Tuesdays and Thursdays, we try to have you on. And so, uh, Brent Creeley, our producer, will answer. For example, on Facebook, that you are out uh, teaching the Bible. So, where where have you been here recently? Well, I was in Michigan for a week, and then New York for a couple of weeks, and then back home for a few days. And then the last two weeks in Maine, uh, Fred, oh, uh, up near Canada, I was best. <laughs> uh, uh, right next to New Brunswick, you know, I mean, there's a lake there, it's a Christian camp in Maine, and then the other side of the lake is uh, New Brunswick, but no Canadians at the camp, Fred, because it's still, you know, the, the border is still, I don't is it closed? Is that the right word? But th they couldn't get to the camp this year. Yeah, the, the restrictions in place, uh, I mean, it's killing the tourism industry, Um uh, on that side of the border, the Canadian tourism industry. I, I think you have to have been vaccinated. Uh, there's different rules if you're Canadian citizens or if you're American citizens, vaccination, uh, got a test before you go in. You, you know, got to have ma matching socks. Matching you know? socks, you <laughs> That's know. right. And, and you got to say A. Yeah. <laughs> That's a? right, A. <laughs> That's right. So how, let me just ask real quickly uh, here, Ray. Uh, up in northern part of the country in maine way up there if you're up by the border how did how, you can't fly would you fly into boston into logan we, and we flew into bangor maine oh bangor, Bang, maine. bangor. they pronounce bangor. it bangor maine bangor bangor maine. Bangor, bangor maine because they don't have, they don't have a lot of time like down here in the south where you can yeah bangor you know where you can stretch it out bangor bangor get maine it? you say it you get over get on with it and you go buy some blueberries there you big go. blueberry country up there. That we, is, you're right. Yes. I'm impressed. Of, yeah. Oh, well, listen, I grew up, you know, it's blueberries from Maine. Maine used to be part of Massachusetts. Yes. A long time ago. <laughs> long right. time ago. All right, folks. Well, we have got a lot to talk about, and not much of it is good. Uh, <laughs> lots of things going on uh, in the world. And, Chris, you might as well get us started. Yeah, well, I'm the bearer. I'm the one that intermittently brings uh, <laughs> bad news. That's a badge of honor. But, yeah, so uh, President Biden, a lot of people are talking today about the uh, boondoggle that is the uh, the exit strategy there in uh, Afghanistan. He took a lot of heat over the weekend uh, based on the Taliban uh, taking more control of Afghanistan. And finally, 
the president uh, decided to cut his uh, retreat short at Camp David to come back to the White House, address the nation on the situation in Afghanistan before he went back to Camp David. Um, yesterday, for those that didn't see it, he talked about how he inherited the exit plan from Donald Trump. He went on to say that Afghans were not willing to fight for Afghanistan, and therefore he stands by his decision to leave Afghanistan at this time. Clip three. I stand squarely behind my decision. After 20 years, I've learned the hard way that there was never a good time to withdraw U.S. forces. That's why we're still there. We were clear-eyed about the risk. We planned for every contingency, but I always promised the American people that I would be straight with you. The truth is, this did unfold more quickly than we had anticipated. So what's happened? Afghanistan political leaders gave up and fled the country. The Afghan military collapsed, sometime without trying to fight. If anything, the developments of the past week reinforced that ending U.S. military involvement in Afghanistan now was the right decision. So just to recap, if you're just joining us, the president blamed a whole bunch of other people and then said he stands by his decision to leave Afghanistan. Well, Fred, uh, we'll come to you first. I, I don't I don't think uh, that, that, that the we're, we're going to get to the fact that the president received a fair amount of criticism, rightly so, for his speech. I, I don't really think there are many people in the country who are arguing that we should have stayed in Afghanistan for another decade. I think most people thought it was time to get out. I think that is a fairly popular uh, viewpoint on the part of the American people. And I think a lot of foreign policy experts, med- uh, military strategists, you know, there is a time when you have to get out. We've trained the Iraqi military. I think the criticism that I have for what President Biden and his administration has done, or maybe more rightly not done, and that is plan this thing out better so that we could have removed from uh, Afghanistan the people who helped us and will probably be scheduled for execution fairly soon after our last soldier departs. Yep. I I think you're exactly right. What Joe Biden did yesterday, and I assume his handlers advised him, uh, Mr. President, go out there and talk about the need to leave Afghanistan. Uh, Stay away from the the details about, oh, gee, our exit plan. Don't talk about that. Talk about that big picture. You're the fourth president uh, with uh, Americans in Afghanistan, and you're the guy making the tough decision to finally do the exit. Uh, People are a whole lot smarter. I was watching a poll this morning. Uh, Those who identified themselves as Republicans, but more important, independents, weren't buying his speech yesterday. Yes. Because what everybody was seeing on their television yesterday was about the disaster that unfolded in, in Kabul, where the Taliban came, over, came in overnight, over the weekend, and they took control of that city. And to your point, I, I, I mean, listen to his speech. He said, we planned for every contingency. Obviously not. Mm-hmm. You did not plan for every contingency. You did, obviously did not plan... Even though we saw over the last two weeks the Taliban moving into these various provincial capitals, 
and taking control with with no opposition whatsoever. Right. So why didn't you take the hint that next stop was Kabul and it was going to happen pretty quickly? The other thing that was was troubling, his blame, and Chris, you've just mentioned it, his blame of the Afghan military. Mm -hmm. I heard a report this morning where the Afghan military in fighting the Taliban have lost maybe 70 or 80,000 soldiers killed. Yes. I don't call that cowardly. Right. They have fought the best that they could. But they also understand, the Afghani people understand, with the Taliban taking control, uh, either you're for us or against us. If you're against us, we're going to kill you. Right. Now, here's the other thing that's happening. I just was listening to a bit of the Pentagon briefing just in the last few minutes. We still have a lot of Americans that are stuck there. Yesterday, the State Department told Americans who hadn't made it to the international airport, yes, shelter in place. Well, what the Taliban is doing is going in, they're door knocking. Right. They're finding out who's behind those doors. What are Americans supposed to do? Now, they say now they have a plan to get people to the airport, but one of the other problems that's developed overnight, Taliban has set up checkpoints outside the airport. They put a ring around the, the airport. They're kind of deciding who gets to the airport. The airport is open. We've sent in some extra military people, so the airport is open. But now some of the planes leaving are empty. Some of the commercial, big commercial jets that you saw pictures of, they're empty because people can't get in. Right. So uh, the mess is unfolding. And uh, Joe Biden deserves the criticism of skating away from the actual issue yesterday. And for him to say, you know, I'm the president of the United States. The buck stops with me. I guess that's a true statement. The buck yeah. does stop with him. And the disaster in this exit plan uh, is there for everybody to see. Ray, we're going to get your uh, take here quickly because we have a guest uh, waiting. But uh, one of the problems, by the way, I saw on MSNBC, uh, yes, I did see something valuable on there, Matt Zeller. We're, we're going to try to get that posted uh, he's uh, an Afghan war vet and has some great work going. Voted for Biden, but he abs absolutely blistered the Biden administration for what's unfolding in Afghanistan right now. Um, and, uh, Ray, here's the thing. The Taliban doesn't follow the Geneva Convention. So <laughs> no, to Fred's yeah. point about soldiers in Afghanistan who 70, 80,000 of them have died fighting against the Taliban, they know – if the Taliban come in, they're not they're not going to honor the Geneva Convention against war combatants, and they'll kill their families or sell off their daughters to become child brides. So this is not this is a fascist organization of uh, terrorists, the Taliban. It's a lot to expect for the Iraqi uh, for the Afghan uh, military to stand up to that. Well, let me make two points very quickly. Number one, this was going to be difficult no matter what. I'll give the president that much. Mm -hmm. e e even if Mr. Trump were in office, it was going to be, it's difficult to get your troops out of the country. It was always going to be hard. But listen, folks, this was a completely avoidable humanitarian disaster and catastrophe. It did not have to end this way. And, Fred, I want to say I agree 100% with you. No matter what the White House says, they were not prepared for this. And so the unfolding disaster and catastrophe, which is not over yet, 
because, as you said, Ed, we're dealing with a fascist kind of group, the Taliban. This has got to be laid directly at the doorstep of the Joe Biden administration. They were caught unawares and completely unprepared. It's on them and no one else. Well, we want to uh, welcome to uh, the program Ivy Scarborough, who's been on uh, today's issues, probably other shows as well here on American Family Radio. Folks, he's got a bio a mile long, lawyer, television, radio, and print commentator, uh, history and political science professor at Union University in Jackson, Tennessee. He has written a a book uh, titled uh, Into the Night, the crisis of Western civilization, which I think we may still have on the uh, available on the AFA uh, Resource Center at uh, afastore.net, and we've invited Ivy on. He has extensive background in in Afghanistan, which is why we want to have him on to discuss that issue. Uh, Ivy, welcome back to uh, today's issues. What's that? Okay, we just lost him, so uh, we will get back to Ivy and uh, reconnect. By the way, guys, he, he, he we, we got kind of got a, uh, a description of some of his past. He was actually uh, smuggled into Afghanistan in 1985 during the war of the Mujahideen against the Soviet Union and spent time with the uh, Mujahideen uh, as they fought to get the uh, communists out of their country and uh, has done a lot of media work and work with governments to uh, uh, try to get them to understand what's happening in Afghanistan. So we will try to have Ivy Scarborough back. That's on an incredible just, story. Like yes, you, it you is. hear things like that. And you, right. I mean, part of you wants to joke like that's my favorite Rambo movie. Yeah. Um, but two, <laughs> that you also think like, man, I wish I had a better yeah (laughs) i worked in a crime-ridden city once you know (laughs) but yeah uh that's it's uh uh, we're going to be hearing a lot from these folks definitely in the coming days and we do need to hear from them because they have an experience that we do not right and they know things that we don't well and and afghanistan is not it's not like we we have sometimes have uh trouble understanding people in california yeah okay when you live in the other parts of the country that's not even this. <laughs> Afghanistan is literally a, a world away. All right, Ivy, we got you back? Yes, I'm here. Okay, right. thank you, sir. Hey, tell us a little bit. Uh, I think our, our, our listeners will be fascinated to know your background in terms of Afghanistan, and then please jump in to what is unfolding right now in that country. Well, I'll be glad to, Ed, as best I can. It's hard to do this succinctly, though, because my connections with Afghanistan have been since 1984 and have been very, very complex and involved. But probably the most significant thing from the standpoint of the audience, in 1985, I arranged to be smuggled into Afghanistan while they were fighting the Russians. You'll remember, you and I old enough to remember the Russian invasion. And while this was taking place, I arranged to be smuggled in and during the course of that, I spent a couple of months with the Mujahideen, which is the name for the, well, that term means holy warriors, and um, participated, went with them on their missions against the Russians and so forth. I got to know them quite well and understand the Afghan culture, their mindset, and so forth. When I came back, I had promised the Afghans Ed, that I would lobby for Stinger missiles because they had no way to shoot down the Russian helicopter hind gunships and the jets 
And so I promised them I'd keep that commitment. I would do what I could to see if the U.S. government would eventually send stingers. And President Reagan did, as a matter of fact, and I think it was January or February of 86. And this, in fact, did have a major impact. In fact, Gorbachev, the then leader of the Soviet Union, admitted publicly that the Stinger missiles had brought down so many Soviet aircraft uh, that he had to withdraw the forces. The Soviet economy couldn't stand that kind of economic hemorrhaging. So that was a major factor in what happened. At that point, Ed, we had a great opportunity to to build something really impressive in Afghanistan. And I lobbied and spoke in countless interviews and so forth and speeches in favor of what I call a mini Marshall Plan. Now, I know you, you're a student of history, so you know what I'm referring to. Uh, the audience may not. But the idea would be to go in and to help the Afghans rebuild their country as a democracy, and to strengthen it so that the Islamists could not dominate it. There will always be Islamist forces there. But what we wanted to avoid was where they became dominant, which had been the pattern. <clears throat> well, since then, I have had interactions back and forth. I was asked to do briefings for the U.S. Army at Fort Irwin, California, which is our major training center, warfare training center own Afghanistan, and also for the Tennessee National Guard, the commander. General Woods asked me to do briefings for his officers. During the course of these things, Ed, I warned about certain things that I was afraid the government would do, and they certainly did exactly what I warned against. All of this is documentable. In fact, much of it's on video, and the former public affairs officer for General Woods is very familiar with this, Dean Duke. The upshot was that our government, in the way that it handled this after 9-11, did exactly what I warned they should not do. And the result is what you're seeing today. Because eventually, uh, the strategy, if you want to call it that, Ed, it would not work under the circumstances that existed in Afghanistan. So I have had to sit back and watch this spectacle watch our young soldiers dying and being maimed over there, all for something that I felt certain would eventually fail unless we were more committed than we were. But I knew that we didn't have that commitment, so I had a very bleak outlook. And my hope had been for something that's perhaps close to what you might say uh, happened in Korea. Well, we had troops there, the situation was stable, and nobody's dying, but of course, that didn't happen, as you can see. So I will stop there and let you ask questions rather than continuing to drone on. I hope I have answered the basic question you asked me. Yes, sir, you have. Go ahead, Fred. Hi, uh, Fred Jackson here. Uh, let's fast forward to what has happened in the last couple of weeks. Uh, President, okay. Biden, President Biden came out yesterday. He said, basically painted himself as the one president uh, that took the American uh, forces, or planned to take the American forces out of Afghanistan. But the real focus seems to be the exit plan. Were you surprised, number one question for you, were you surprised the Taliban have been able to come in basically over the last couple of weeks and takes control so easily? We saw uh, provincial capital after provincial capital. It was almost a daily thing that these provincial capitals mm -hmm. fell 
And then in mm-hmm. one weekend, uh, Kabul falls uh, to their control. Did that surprise you? And uh, just explain a little bit why you think this happened. Yes, it did surprise me, Ed. Fred, I, I, the thing that I'm, I was struck by was I knew that this administration was completely incompetent. I'll use an even stronger word. They're fools. But I did not think that they would be so reckless, so careless, as to allow the situation to evolve the way that it has. Uh, this is just an incredible, chaotic mess. And the perils that bringing this that are going to come to our doorstep as a result of it are just monumental and potentially catastrophic. So, <clears throat> yes, I was very surprised at this. And I feel like that... Um, what we're going to hear about this well into the future of American history will relate to the consequences that come from this. And they're going to be dire. There's no way that this can come, this can develop in a way that's positive. So I will stop there, Fred. I'm not sure I answered both of your questions. I can't even recall what the second one was, but well, if you want to ask again, I well, will try to answer it. Uh, this is where back, back to Ed, uh, Ivy, um, we're coming up here to the uh, to the end of the, uh, the the segment. So, last question, and I, we'll probably, I'm sure, when Tim comes back, we'll have you back on to discuss this because this is going to be an unfolding problem, I think. But yes. uh, make a prediction. You get about two minutes. Make a prediction about the probable outcomes of this. Are we going to see more terrorist bases, Al Qaeda, so on and so forth, uh, be resurrected, so to speak, in Afghanistan? Yes, unquestionably. Uh, for example, uh, one thing that has not been noted, Ed, is that one of the two top leaders of the uh, Taliban is a known al-Qaeda operative and had been a key person in al-Qaeda. So the connection between al-Qaeda, of course, that's bin Laden's organization, and the Taliban is extremely close. They're brothers, frankly, in the spiritual religious sense. So... The, the likelihood of terrorist activities developing from this and having this wonderful sanctuary in Afghanistan now that will be completely free to them is extremely high. But there's no way that we're not going to have trouble from this. Well, in fact, one of the leaders you're talking about, if I'm not mistaken, was uh, one of those released from uh – from uh, Cuba, who who uh, was released in the trade, if you will, for mm-hmm. Bo Bergdahl, wasn't it? One of those. Yes, I think so. In fact, uh, at least one of these people uh, had had spent eight years in prison at Guantanamo Bay. Right. And now you see he's a leader of the entity that's now in control of Afghanistan. Now that should tell anybody of what we're going to face. All right. Ivy Scarborough has been our guest, and he has got a long background, as folks, as you heard, uh, even involved with Afghanistan. Uh, Ivy, we'll, I'm sure we'll have you back to talk about this because this is not an issue that's going to go away. This is beyond sloppy. This is catastrophic. And uh, I think that historians are going to be studying this. And, you know, they supposedly learned after Vietnam, but it seems like we are going to repeat some of the same mistakes. Uh, Ivy, thank you so much for being on with us. Ed, I want the audience to understand, Afghanistan is not on the backside of the moon. We are going to be affected by this. There's an attitude among Americans, well, what does it matter that Afghanistan uh, is going this route? 
that is a foolish way of perceiving it. And I will just look forward to being back with you, and I'll try to explain that further. Okay. Thank you, Ivy. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. All right, folks, uh, when we come back after the break, Sandy Rios, uh, Director of Governmental Affairs and host of Sandy Rios in the Morning, will be joining us as we tried to do uh, each Tuesday. Our thanks to Ivy Scarborough for that segment. Eye-popping and uh, not in a good way. Folks, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be back with Sandy and more of the news affecting you and your family in just a moment. When you hear this, this is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. What would it be like if every person knew that they were created in the image of God? After two years in the making, American Family Studios proudly presents In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. There are only two sexes, male or female. If you're conceived with a Y chromosome, you will develop into a male. In His Image is a documentary featuring life-changing testimonies of former LGBT individuals. In my most formative years of development of sexuality, I went through a brutal time of uh, sexual distortion, molestation. Visit InHisImage.movie to watch In His Image. Well, everybody, welcome to this unboxing video as we unbox. My hormone blockers. In His Image from American Family Studios is available now for free viewing. Visit InHisImage.movie. You're made in the image of God. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Stern. Stand by for news and commentary next. No matter your career goals, you want to find a university that provides excellent academics and state-of-the-art facilities at a price you can afford. At Liberty University, they believe a quality Christian education should be available to everyone. That's why they've frozen their tuition rates through the 2021-2022 academic year and offer multiple scholarships, like the Middle America Scholarship, to bring that price point even lower. Learn more by texting STARNS to the number 49596. Remember what the medical experts told us when the China virus first became national news? They needed to shut down the country for two weeks to flatten the curve. That was it, two weeks. So we all agreed to follow the advice of the experts. Two weeks became four weeks, then became six, and now nearly two years later, we are on the verge of yet another shutdown. Instead of herd immunity and flattening the curve, the medical experts are telling us we have to get vaccinated, even though we know the vaccine in many cases is not working. New York City is implementing a vaccine passport. If you don't show your papers, you won't be able to get a slice down at John's Pizza on Bleecker. And we are on the verge of yet another possible shutdown, sacrificing our freedom on the altar of public safety. The virus did not kill liberty. We the people did. Be sure to order a copy of my new book, Our Daily Biscuit, available right now at ToddStearns.com. Be silent before me so that I may speak. Then let come upon me what may. Why should I take my flesh in my teeth and put my life in my hands? Though he slay me, I will hope in him. Job 13, 13 through 15. American Family Radio. 
This is today's issues. Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. Past broadcasts of today's issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of today's issues. And welcome back to today's issues. Ed Vitagliano sitting in for Tim Wildman today. And I am joined in studio by Fred Jackson and Chris Woodward. Ray Pritchard. Ray, we will, have not forgotten you. We will get to you. Okay. Hey, that's okay. That that last guest, Ivy mm. Scarborough. Boy, yeah. that uh first of all, he's got the street cred. Yes. And, what and a cool it, story. It, it, it's a scary to to the last part of what he said about the price that's going to be paid uh, in America because we have let it in this way. Yes. So, I, like I like I told Ivy, I'm sure we'll be talking about this uh, for in the coming weeks. Uh, it's going to be added to the list of things we talk about all the time, whether it's COVID or the border or inflation or whatever. It, we're we're going to be talking about Afghanistan in uh, in the f- foreseeable future. All right, as I promised you before the break, we want to welcome back to today's issue Sandy Rios, who is director of governmental affairs and host of Sandy Rios in the Morning. Heard at 7 a.m. Central Time on American Family Radio. Sandy, welcome back. Hey, good morning, Ed and Fred and Chris and Ray. Nice to hear you guys. Nice <laughs> to hear your voices. Well, thank you. And uh, we, Chris, uh, uh, Sandy, we, we do want to talk to you about uh, a, a an issue related to voting security. But in the wake of what we were talking about for the majority of this first segment, mm-hmm before the break. Uh, Sandy, we want to get your take on Afghanistan. And Chris, you have uh, uh, an exchange, uh, some audio that yes. you want to kind of play, and then we'll get Sandy's reaction. Yeah, so yesterday after the address, a lot of uh, TV personalities on cable TV news outlets in general were responding to the president's address, what he had to say. Uh, Nicole Wallace uh, was all, you know, all, all about Biden and really praising him. Brian Williams uh, also was very positive, very high on what the president had to say about Afghanistan until former CIA analyst and MSNBC guest Matt Zeller got to weigh in on what Williams had to say about Biden's remarks. Clip 11. Didn't run from it. He owned it. He owned his decision. He owned the fact that, as he put it, the buck stops with him. I feel like I watched a different speech than the rest of you guys. I was appalled. There was such a profound, bold-faced lie in that speech. The idea that we planned for every contingency. I have been personally trying to tell this administration since it took office. I've been trying to tell our government for years that this was coming. We sent them plan after plan on how to evacuate these people. And the idea that the Afghan military should be blamed for this. Do you know how many casualties the Afghan military took in an average year? More than the United States did in 20. When you're not getting paid on a regular basis, when you're not getting fuel, when no one is supplying you with ammunition, and yet you're still showing up to the fight, how dare us for having to blame these people for not having the audacity to be able to survive a Taliban onslaught. We might have just heard Matt Zeller's last appearance on MSNBC. Well, Sandy, I got to tell you, I watched that exchange, that full exchange. is about 10 minutes long, and uh, Brent Creeley, our producer, has posted that exchange uh, on our Facebook page for folks to watch. But I watched that exchange. Sandy, that was devastating, his critique of the Biden administration. Yes, and of course he's spot on, and there's so much more to say. Everything I would tell you this morning— I could tick off off the top of my head probably a dozen horrors uh, that the Biden administration has done in Afghanistan. 
Uh, you know, and I'll just mention, you know, Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, and Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, I call them the ebony and ivory of the stupidity. Uh, they both, they, they are joint, you know, they share the blame and they share the stupidity. And I'm sorry, my mother wouldn't like me using that word, but honestly, they were in a, a, a hearing in the House about uh, four weeks ago, I think it was four weeks ago, a month or so. And they were asked about Afghanistan, and they both of them said that we didn't need Bagram Air Base. Mm. We didn't need it. It wasn't important. And so they shut it. They gave it. You know, they, they let the Taliban take it. And that's the reason why that the only air base left is in the situation that it's in right now. But no, we don't. That's not that important. We don't need that. And I just, this came in my inbox just before I came on with you guys. The, uh, let's see. Let me get the title right. This is the uh, secretary, oh, no, the chief of staff of the Army. Okay, so you see the pictures of what's happening in Afghanistan, Kabul. Who, who does not know what's happening? Well, let me tell you what he tweeted today. He tweeted about his Oprah Book of the Month, which is unbroken. That's what he tweeted about. What a great book it is, and everyone should be reading it. And so a, a person who's a, a military watcher said, what did the chief of the staff, the Army, think about Afghanistan falling to the Taliban yesterday? That's a great question. We don't know because he was using his platform to discuss his Oprah Book of the Month Club. Very cool, sir. Thanks for leading your men and women in these dark hours. I'm sure everyone's just fine. And this is the kind of leadership that we have right now, which is no leadership. They were like, I, I heard this morning they're estimate, estimated 30,000 Americans still stranded in Afghanistan. Yes. Yeah. They, uh, and so, Sandy, it's Fred here. Yeah. Uh, yeah the I State agree. Department yesterday told those Americans uh, to shelter in place. That's right. And, we, and, and wait to hear from us. Well, here's what's happening, though. The Taliban is going door to door yeah. in Afghanistan. If they knock on a door and American answers the door, do you think the Taliban's going to say, hey, we'll drive you over to the airport? I, th I don't think so. Although, did you see the CNN reporter embedded with the Taliban? And she said... You know, it's so funny. They are chanting death to America, but they are so nice. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. That's what she said to the camera. <laughs> and she's the same reporter that was uh, asking them if they would promise they would tweet, treat women well with fairness. And the Taliban spokesman said, well, the is Islamic law calls for fair treatment of everyone. We will treat women in accordance with Islamic law. <laughs> that was his answer. Yikes. Uh, it, how, how stupid. I'm sorry. There's the word again. How stupid do these people have to be? I've never seen anything quite like it. And um, so we're hurtling toward disaster. We really are. And, uh, but I would like to say one more thing because you asked me what I thought. This is, this is something that I'm going out on a limb here and I don't care. I just think that what's happening is this. You, you guys all saw Joe Biden in the Situation Room at uh, Fort, uh, wherever he is. Camp uh, David. Camp David, all by himself at that table with a notebook. And it's this, this huge t table where all the officials usually are. He's by himself. He's watching a television screen. And uh, some people said, well, why would they? That's not a flattering picture. He looks frail and alone. And why would they, why would they use that picture? And then, of course, he comes back and he makes his statement yesterday that I stand by my decision. This was, you know, I think this is a great, this is a decision that had to be made. And he gives this speech. Um, uh, it occurs to me that, uh, and then also, I know you played MSNBC and Brian Williams uh, supporting the president, but if you watch CNN, 
and other leftist media, mm-hmm. Washington Post also, they're coming after Biden. We do have which some is, of that audio. Do you want to drop it in? Or, yeah, if you're fine with it, I can play it. Uh, sure, sure. Give us a t- taste Let of us it. look at the, uh, yeah, this here, what you're going to hear is a montage of various personalities, including Jake Tapper on left-leaning TV networks yesterday. Clip four. How does the Biden administration miscalculate this intelligence so gravely. Joe Biden is going to be the face of the failure of the withdrawal. He did not in any way accept responsibility for the catastrophe that's unfolding. Friends and foes alike are calling this withdrawal a fiasco, a debacle, and it is one that apparently the administration did not fully appreciate or see coming. This is not just about the overall idea of leaving Afghanistan. This is about leaving hastily and ineptly. Secretary Blinken, how did President Biden get this so wrong? All right, so thanks, Chris, for playing that, and that illustrates my point. Uh, why would they suddenly? They've, they've excused him for everything, including his senility, senility. Every bad thing he's done, they go, oh, that was great. That was the best speech I've ever heard. Now suddenly they're criticizing him, except uh, maybe Brian Williams didn't get the memo yet. This is what I think is happening. I think that that picture of him alone at Camp David was intentional. I think having him speak and say boldly that he stands by his decision and it was his decision is the way they're going to do away with the catastrophe that's happening in Afghanistan. I think they're going to now move to take him out of office by letting the media go after him, forcing him to step down. And then no one is to blame except Joe Biden. It was Joe's fault what happened in Afghanistan. And you know, as well as I do, that he he's not... He might have weighed in on it, but he's not the guy that pulled the trigger. He's over in Camp David by himself, for heaven's sake. Uh, I think this is their way of putting the blame all on him so that they can get Afghanistan taken care of. It's messy. It's horrible. But it was Joe Biden's fault. And then business as usual to go back to deconstructing and destroying the country. That's what I think they're doing. I have a question. Why do you think he cuts the retreat at Camp David short to do what he did yesterday if he's just going to— not ask what or not take questions and then go back to Camp David. Why not do it at Camp David, standing there with your jacket on and your aviators, trying to be all cool, Joe Biden? Well, they, it's funny the games they play. I think that look, I don't. How would I? How could I know exactly what they're doing? Except I've been around the block a bit. They're trying to play this half game, where of course you know he's getting a lot of criticism because he's not back and you know doing a press conference or speaking to the nation. Where is the president? Where's the press secretary? You know, her email says she's uh, on vacation. So they it's like an optic. It's like a necessary optic, Chris. Um, um, and, and also it serves their purpose, I think, for him to stand and take responsibility because it takes it off the other people. And so we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he'll survive this. And, but I don't be surprised if he, doesn't, if he doesn't get forced to step down. Go ahead, Ray. So, Sandy, two quick points and a question. Number one, it does seem to me very significant that Kamala Harris is just nowhere to be seen. You would think, and in a moment of crisis like this, that the president and VP would be standing together. But she's nowhere. She's, she's out of the picture completely. Number two, we've got a crisis. You used an interesting phrase earlier, hurtling. I mean, we're, we're there. We're at the crisis. We're hurtling towards something much worse and we haven't even mentioned the fact there's a there's a small Christian contingent, but it's growing. I'm told of Christians in Kabul, uh, Afghani's who've come to faith in Christ, 
and the Taliban evidently looking for them while they're looking for people who supported us. They're looking for Christians as well. So this is a a, a crisis that's looming in about six or seven different areas. So to go to your point, uh, are, are you suggesting that maybe sometime in the next few days, and I know it's it's pure speculation here, but are you suggesting they're going to do a, a, a 25th Amendment kind of thing? and or Are they going to force him to resign? Are they going to say he's lost his mind? Or how, if you, if you can just put a little bit of guesswork into this, how could this, what's the end game here if indeed he's going to have to step down? Well, they would start the drumbeat with the press, which is what they are doing. I don't think that anything explains that that uh, that U-turn that Chris just played of various outlets and media personalities than that. And so they'll start the drumbeat with the media, and the media will be happy to cooperate. Uh, and so the, it'll become, and then people that are uninformed will eventually hear about it, and it will become as natural as breathing that now he has to go. However they do it, you know, they'll either, you know, force him to resign in some way that we can't see and we'll never know. Uh, or they'll use the Twenty Fifth Amendment. I, I think they can. I think there are a lot of ways that they can uh, get Joe out of the picture if they want to do it. Uh, so then, and, and Kamala Harris actually did speak up a couple of days ago, and she said that she had a key role in Biden's Afghanistan withdrawal decision. Oh, and okay, so let that soak in. The other thing I talked about the Army uh, Chairman, of whatever he is, the Chairman of the Army. He's over the Army, and he he's tweeting out his Oprah, you know, Book of the Month. Uh, Kamala Harris, on the day that Kabul was falling, tweeted out that we need to be sure we wear our masks. Or the, I was either that or be vaccinated. So one of the, or maybe both. But is that's what she tweeted that day. That 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 familiar voice you're hearing is Sandy Rios, who is a host of Sandy Rios in the morning, heard on American Family Radio at 7 a.m. Central Time Monday through Friday. Sandy, do you have some time just to hang with us, just to talk about this other issue, or do you got to sure. go? No, no, I'll stay with you, sure. All right, Chris, uh, uh, bring up our next topic. Yes, one of the topics that Sandy has been following is uh, Mike Lindell's uh, efforts to try to uh, bring information to light regarding the uh, 2020 election, the results, uh, voter integrity efforts, things of that sort. And uh, Mike Lindell uh, did have or host a, a cyber symposium of sorts Um, to talk about the various issues. And I do want to play a little bit of audio here. This is actually Mike Lindell, the MyPillow guy, uh, describing physical attacks after his symposium, clip 12. Last night, I'm going to just start with the list of things that happened. So at 10.30 last night, um, uh, Tina Peters, uh, uh, another guy with her that's here, his house got raided, four children, and his house got everything taken, all electronics and everything. I last night when I got to the hotel, I was attacked. What 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 is uh, it raided by whom? That is what is um, we don't know up in the air. At the I, I was trying to decide if that was the FBI raided or uh, just talking about criminal some criminal enterprise. Anyway, yeah, uh, Sandy, I hadn't hadn't heard that. That's uh, that's must be terrifying. But talk a little bit about what uh, what Mike is uh, hoping to accomplish. Do you know anything about that? Well, well, let me let me address what you, your question for a second about what what he's talking about. He, you know, Mike Lindell is a little like President Trump used to be, like inexact, right? In his in his uh, descriptions, but uh, Tina Peters is the Mesa County clerk from uh, Colorado, and she was bringing to the symposium uh, evidence of uh, of I don't know exactly know if it was the machines or what in Colorado, 
And when she got on the plane, they uh, ransacked her house. Who? I don't know who. I don't know who. Uh, we know that Mike De Lindell was personally, uh, I don't know if you guys know the details on this, but he was going to his hotel room. He was with some other people, and someone who s seemed to be a fan asked for a picture with him, and he did it. And somebody else kind of came along on the coattails of that guy and said, oh, and me too. He put his arm around Mike, and I guess he put his fingers underneath Mike's armpit on the other side as he held him for a picture yeah. and applied pressure in a, what must be a, a very vulnerable spot. It was excruciatingly painful, and that's the attack Mike was talking about. It's very strange. Um, and then bizarre. another, yeah, it's very bizarre what's happening. So, um, But in that symposium, uh, in spite of all of that, these guys, Tina Peters went ahead and delivered her information, even though her house had been ransacked. Mike Lindell did not shut things down. They are just steady on. And so um, what they're talking about is that there was, they believe there was voter fraud and also with the machines, a problem with the machines in all 50 states, not just the few that we've been talking about, the swing states, uh, but in all 50 states, and they presented evidence. They went through every single state during this symposium. Uh, and it's not just about the machines, although... Uh, it, it, a, a significant amount of it was about the machines. They think that the machines were recalibrated actually in every state. And uh, Seth Keschel, who is, uh, oh, he's got his, he was there. Let's see, what is he? He's a former retired, he's a retired Army intelligence captain. He's been viewing the data. And he estimates that there were 8.1 million excess votes in the election. In other words, votes were added for people that didn't really vote. And so, um, it's, there are a lot of things coming out of the symposium that are fascinating. And Mike Lindell invited press. It was not like an open-to-the-public event. He actually put CNN on the front row. I think they sent four or five people uh, because he wanted them to hear. He wanted the people that are skeptics and don't believe to hear the evidence. And he offered a reward for anyone that could approve that what was presented wasn't true. So it's it's quite it's, – it's very interesting, and um, I – I think, listen, I did a whole thing on a Michael Flynn piece last week about why common sense tells you, without having to know about machines and algorithms and all of that, that something was not right. And Mike went through uh, so many points, like the fact that President Trump won 18 out of 19 bellwether counties and still lost the race. Bellwether means they usually, those particular counties in the United States usually go for whoever the winner is. Right. So whoever wins those counties wins the race. So he won 18 out of 19. He still lost the presidency. And he went through, he goes through a whole bunch of points like that that are just uh, really hard to argue with. So I think there was chicanery. I don't, I don't doubt it. And you have to understand, you know, here we are talking about Afghanistan and our, we have seen our country, our schools, we've got people up in arms about what's happening with critical race theory, with a, a transgenderism and bathrooms and all of that. The American people are waking up, and this is happening as a result of that election in part. Uh, there's no question. The whole country is turned on end. Uh, jobs are being lost, and the economy oh, is spending energy like independence. Energy independence has gone yes. out the window in just a matter of months. Exactly. So... So this is why this is not inconsequential, Sa what they're talking about, what happened on November 3rd. It's Sa not. It's very consequential. Sandy, it's Fred. Yeah. So just to pull back from all of this, and I want to ask you the question, do you believe the American people are waking up? Because they had just alluded to the fact that uh, Joe Biden is trying to eliminate fossil fuels, uh, but at the same time going to OPEC last week and begging for some more oil. 
And we haven't even mentioned about the border. Right. The crisis no. on the border. No. And I, I, I have to believe all of this is adding up to a point where the American people are being confronted with all of this, and the American people are going to have to make a decision. Do they want Joe Biden's rendition of a United States of America, or do they want to go back to the day when you could be proud of America? I think that's true, Fred. Here's the question. See, what I see is the left ramping up for a sudden takeover. I, I saw. I don't know if you guys saw this uh, release from Homeland Security. Yes. Uh, about the, the you know potential terror threats. Yes. And that's uh, people who oppose COVID measures. Mm -hmm. People who believe election fraud. People believe that Trump could be reinstated. Mm -hmm. uh, all, all those are listed along with the jihadists. Yes. And so they're ramping up coming after people who are so dangerous, who oppose the COVID measures. They're ramping up to try to do a sweep. That's what I, I but what do I mean by that? I mean, they're trying to, while people are, enough people are still asleep, they're trying to, to firm, firm up their control. And so I, it's, it's like we are really at a precipice. I don't know if enough people are going to wake up in time to fight back. And, and they're coming after those of us that are standing strong in any way they can. Um, and will, will we be able to stay strong? Uh, that's another thing. We, can we stand and face what's the blast that's going to come after us long enough to try to save you know, our country, our family, even lives? Are we going to do that? Or are we going to fold for a little bit more comfort for a little bit longer? That's a real issue. That's something that I grapple with too. Personally, I I know my I know I'm in I know that I'm in the crosshairs. Okay, so so those of us that are speaking out, how much courage are we going to show? How 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 is AFA going to do? How are we going to stand? Are we going to take the onslaught? Because we're going to there's going to be some hits. They're already in process, I'm sure. So um, the the Mike Lindells, you know, Mike is just giving it all. But President Trump, you could argue, did pretty much the same thing. He made a huge sacrifice to try to bring this country back from what was already uh, a, a very, after Barack Obama was in office, it was bad. So he did, he did a lot of sacrificing to try to bring it back. So how, can we stand? Can we be firm? Are you willing to lose your house, your reputation? Are you willing to go to jail? Are you, what are you willing to do? What are you willing to give up? And how much time do you think you can buy? And that's really the hard questions that we all have to face because if we don't stand strong, look, there's only a chance if we stand strong to save this country and push this back. There is no chance if we fold. So it's the price that we're going to pay. When we saw those Afghan Afghanis falling off the plane, it's to me, it's no longer like, oh, that's them way over there. I see that as a hint of what's coming here. I don't mean we're going to be jumping on planes or falling off of them, but that's the kind of wickedness that's at the heart of this. That's the kind of wickedness that we are fighting, and it's going to manifest itself in various ways it already is in this country. Um, I'm hearing really frightening things about the vaccination. I, I don't, I, you know, I started out being agnostic about it, really, but I'm hearing some really bad things that I have not even shared on the air. So uh, we've got wickedness firmly entrenched and encroaching every day. So how are we going to live? And what are we willing to do to fight back? That's, um, that's what's on my mind and heart, I'll tell you. 
Ray, we you, just got a minute and a half or, or so. Go ahead and toss let, let, Sandy, let me just ask you in these last few seconds, speak even more directly to our listeners because I hear what you're saying. And we're coming now, right next month, to the 20th anniversary of 9-11, which, which kind of ties full circle back into this. This is where we got on the bus in Afghanistan in the first place. It's also going to be an excuse for the government to begin this sweep, to, to use the 9-11 anniversary as an excuse to attack those of us who are on the conservative side. How do you want us to speak up, Sandy? What difference? What about people who don't have a radio microphone? How can we make a difference in America as it is today? Well, I think practically speaking, right, I guess, how can I answer that quickly? I guess every day when we get up, we do what's right. Yeah. You just determine to do what's right. And I can't answer that for every person listening, except that you know when you're hedging and you know when you're being really careful and you know Mm. when you're being afraid. And if I told you I'm not afraid, I would be a liar because I have a lot of fear right now. Honestly, I do. I, I see. I know too much. It's what I, I know too much. And, um, but I was just, um, just a little while ago, I actually went to the gym after my show to come before I came back to talk to you guys. And I, I thought, I just have to reaffirm, Lord, I do trust you. I've trusted you all of my life. I will not stop trusting you. And so we took, put one foot in front of the other and we, determined to do what's right and make right decisions fearlessly every single day, whatever that means in each person's life. Well, Sandy, I know that in uh, Acts chapter 4, when the church was faced with persecution, they did not pray that God would eliminate their enemies. They prayed for boldness. Exactly what you're talking about. They prayed for boldness to preach the gospel and to speak the truth. Sandy, thank you so much. As usual, you bring uh, great information and insights to our listeners. Thank you. Thank you. Guys, it's so nice to talk to you. Thanks. Thank you. So we carry on. Okay. Amen. Thanks. Amen. Okay. All right. Okay. Folks, okay, a five-minute break for news. We'll come back more with more of today's issues. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.